baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. In for Jason DeRussia, I'm Dave Schrader. I'll be here with you through the remainder of today's show. Jason will be back, I believe, with you next Monday. I'll be filling in noon to 3 for Chad next week, so I hope you'll check in on Monday for me with that. Well, not all next week, just Monday I'll be here, New Year's Day. I get to pick up the slack that day. Uh, Listen, I have uh, reported on true crime for 10 of the last 18 years in having been somebody who lost a friend, dear friend, and two of her children to true crime. It has always been near and dear to my heart to understand cases, to understand justice. And there's nothing more infuriating to me than cases that are, they're they're wrong. Their information is wrong. The way they're handled is incorrect. And good people go away. And there is a case uh, right here in our own back, backyard in Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota man who went to prison as a teenager has been released almost two decades later after his wrongful murder conviction was vacated. According to authorities, Marvin Haynes, 36, was freed Monday after a judge set signed an order setting aside his conviction. The Hennepin County Attorney's Office said in a statement which adds that prosecutors agree that Haynes had proven his constitutional rights were violated during his trial in 2005. Haynes has maintained his innocence in the deadly 2004 robbery that took place in the flower shop and killed 55-year-old Randy Scherer, according to the Associated Press. Hennepin County attorney Mary Moriarty said that Haynes' conviction was based almost exclusively on eyewitness accounts and the trial lacked any forensic evidence. At trial, prosecutors also didn't present any video connecting him to the crime, and authorities never found a murder weapon, Moriarty said in the statement. That should have made any prosecutor hesitant to bring charges because eyewitness identifications are very unreliable and one of the leading causes of wrongful convictions. We inflicted harm on Mr. Haynes and his family and also on Harry Shearer, the victim, his family, and the community, she said in the statement and apologized for all the life experiences that Haynes missed during his time in prison. We cannot undo the trauma experienced by those impacted by this prosecution, but today we have taken a step toward righting this wrong, Moriarty said. Haynes spoke outside the prison after being released, thanking the current personnel in the district attorney's office, his lawyer, and family. He gave special recognition to his sister. My sister lost so much fighting for my innocence. Words cannot describe what she means to me and my family, he said, according to the outlet. Joining us right now on Drive Time with Russia, we have Marvin Haynes. Mr. Haynes, thank you so much for joining me today. No, thank you, Dave, for having me. I truly appreciate it. It's, you know, this is a weird statement because what do I, I want to say congratulations for getting out, but there's, <clears throat> it feels weird to congratulate somebody for being released for something they shouldn't have been arrested for to begin with. But I, I don't know the proper statement. I'm, I'm happy that you're out and the justice has finally prevailed in this case. And I am uh, equally thankful that you decided to uh, come on and, and talk to us about this case a little bit today. 
Yeah, for sure. I like to uh, share my story with people so they can recognize that these things is not no isolated situation. These, right. these things occur and we got to recognize them and change them. So it, and hopefully it won't take 19 years for the next person to get out that's wrongly convicted. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm just grateful to have you having me to talk about my story. I've worked with the Innocence Project and many other organizations that have gone out to do their best to try to find justice for um, people that are improperly imprisoned. And uh, this case really drew my attention. Uh, I think what also touches me, uh, Mr. Haynes, is the fact that you're released after 20 years and you have showed some of the most amazing decorum and graciousness I think I've ever seen. And holding no ill will towards the victim's family for believing that you, you were the, the perpetrator in this crime, holding no ill will towards a lot of people that you know a lot of other people would really have problems with. And I congratulate you sincerely for having that attitude and realizing that this is a new lease on life for you and you're going to take advantage of it in a good starting place. Absolutely. First and foremost, it's not the victim's fault. Even when I was sentenced to life and I knew I was innocent, I told the judge, I said, look, y'all sending the wrong guy to prison. I feel sorry for the family because they creating more victims. So it's like I'm not mad at the victim and family because it's not they was manipulated to believe something that was untrue. And if you know about wrongful convictions, which is uh identification is the leading causes of wrongful convictions along with uh, manipulation of the of the witnesses from the detectives that investigated the case so it never was their fault it was just the system sometimes you know try to get convictions and um unfortunately that's what happened to me and um no i'm not mad about nothing that happened because i always knew that i was going to get justice and i always knew i always had that belief and i still believed in the justice system after they were only convicted me that sounds so crazy because i was just like at 16 years old my life was completely taken, you know and i still believed that it was going to be some good people that come in my life and recognize that i was innocent and help me change it and that's exactly what happened why were you the one that drew the original attention as the possible perpetrator on this? Thank you for asking me that question. A lot of people never ask me that. The crazy thing is someone called the police and said, listen, we know about a murder. His name is Marvin. And the police started investigating me, knowing that I didn't fit the description of the suspect, knowing that I was completely not the person that committed this crime due to multiple witnesses giving descriptions of the suspect that committed this crime, the police went out their way to manipulate the eye eyewitnesses as far as using photos from me having short cropped hair from the, like trying to fit into the descriptions of what the witnesses was describing. And these cops knew I didn't fit the description of this person. You know what I mean? So it was just, it's sad that, yeah, they did this stuff, but I mean, you know, well, and the situation, you know, we understand when a murder takes place, the law wants to find the perpetrator. They want the community to feel safe and that somebody's behind bars and will serve time for this murder and not always the best decisions made to try to sew that up. And then we do know that there are flaws in the court system. And to hear you say that you're not against the legal system is really remarkable uh, because this court system failed you and failed you miserably uh, in in what they did and stealing such a huge portion of your life. And 
to again show that kind of grace is is very powerful and says something about you and I can only wish you much success now that you've uh, regained your freedom and will be able to go out there and do this but tell me when you get brought in these eyewitnesses are indicating that they believe it's you uh, and you're not lining up with the actual uh, reports of who they said that this perpetrator was and your attorneys fighting for this did it become apparent to you in court that they, the prosecution was not fighting for justice? They were fighting for a win? Yeah, absolutely. They was uh, actually fighting for a conviction. And I believe these guys knew I was the wrong person. Um, you got to think back then, uh, the evidence that they had, it was completely showing like, okay, this is the this not the person that committed this crime. You got to think I was 16 years old. So as this stuff was happening to me, I didn't know the evidence that they was trying to create. I just was telling them, like, look, y'all got the wrong person. So as I went to the county and was in a adult facility at 16 years old around murderers, rapists, the most craziest people you can think of, I was put in this environment. I knew, like, okay, well, I didn't commit this crime. So as trial came and I started seeing the evidence that they had and they was trying to manipulate, I was like, oh, my God, they see that I'm actually innocent because it came out in trial. Like, if you can go, if you go look at my trial transcript, the evidence literally came out in trial that I was the wrong people, one wrong person. And um, these guys just ignored this. And I was just so shocked that, like, I didn't know about all this stuff that happened until I got to trial and I was seeing, like, okay, well, I didn't know I was misidentified. I didn't know that these right. people used pictures of me having short cropped hair when actually I had long hair at the time. I didn't know all this stuff. So when I seen this stuff, I was just like, y'all see that I'm actually innocent. And I thought they was going to correct it. And it, I was just railroaded. And it was just very unfortunate. Marvin Haynes, our guest uh, on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. We have to take a quick break. We'll be back with our guest right here on News Talk 830 WCCO. I'm Dave Schrader in for Jason DeRussia. I'm on the line with Marvin Haynes, a Minnesota man who went to prison as a teenager, just recently released after two decades after a wrongful murder conviction. So you've got a new lease on life. I know in the article you talk about how important your sister was to this case and to you and and her strength. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Say it again. I'm sorry, Dave. No problem. I, I said in the article you you refer to your sister and how strong she was and <clears throat> such an integral part to this for you. Can you let the listeners yeah. know a little bit more about your sister and, and what all uh, she lost in, in standing by you through all this time? She's amazing. I can't, She neglected her life for me. You know what I mean? She's really um, stopped taking care of herself. Like she had a business. She stopped. She neglected that. Um, she lost her housing. She had to get a new house. Like it, it, she lost a lot in trying to help me get justice. And um, she was out there with in the community, letting people know, like, man, my brother is innocent. Because you got to think, um, back then when this happened, these guys was able to go to my community and make them believe, like, okay, this is the person that committed this crime. So the whole community was against me, you know. So she had to go out there and talk to people and let people know like listen look at the information look at the look at the case files you know she was out there just showing people like look this my brother is actually innocent so she was out there i'm talking about every day at people houses 
just protesting just to get my name out there. So she's definitely amazing. And it's tough, right? Once that uh, court of public opinion turns on you, it's hard even when you can show the relevance of uh, the true evidence and and the fact that nothing is pointing to you as a guilty person. It's hard for a lot of people to just move over and move past that. You've been convicted. The law must have done their job. And that's it. Yeah, because that's how the justice system works, yeah. you know, and we I always grew up as that. I never knew about no innocent person being wrongly convicted. When I first went to jail, I was like, I got to be the first guy that actually is innocent that's in here. And so I did my research and I, I found out like, um, no, this stuff been occurring way before I was existed. So right. um, absolutely, man, for them to just go to my community and make them believe I had to flip the narrative and get people to really go read it. I created a website so people can find out about my story. It was just a hard, it was a hard struggle going through that, but I'm just glad the the community and everybody know like Marvin Haynes is actually innocent. He stood on that and he, he never wavered. And I'm, I'm not pushing on some elements that I know people are reaching out to me through on ta- talk and text line, because I know that you still have uh, legal issues that you're going to need to look at in uh, getting some form of compensation for the last 20 years of your life. And I don't want to do or ask you anything that might in any way mess with that case for you. Um, but there is a GoFundMe that has been put up to help uh, raise money for you, for your sister, for your restarting. And uh, they put up a goal of 20 or just about 17000 into that goal right now. I know that the Twin Cities and the beautiful hearts of the people that live throughout this state uh, have a lot to give and, and an open heart when they can look at a case and see that somebody lost 20 years of their life and a $20 bill, you know, $10 bill out of their pocket will go a lot further to help you get on your feet and get a chance to restart. It'll never compensate you for what you've lost and the time you've lost, but at least it gives you something to live off of and work with now until you can get your your feet back under you. Uh, and I know you're looking forward to getting out into the real world and, and getting a job. Do you have any idea? Have, have you talked to the attorneys? How hard is it for somebody in your situation to reintegrate into the public life without having, you know, people still kind of casting aspersions, even though you've now been, you know, uh, vindicated for this crime? Yeah, it's been very difficult. Um, and thank you for mentioning the GoFundMe because um, it's very important. Certain times when these type of things happen and you just go through something like this, I spent 19 years in prison, so I was just released and exonerated with nothing. You know what I mean? So I had to really get out here and, and, and I'm trying to start my life. Um, I'm applying for jobs. Um, yeah, I had to get my social security. I'm applying to get my license. I had to really restart my life over. And like I said, I was just kicked back to society with nothing and just was like, yeah, start your life now, you know? So here you go, Marvin, you got your freedom, but it's a lot of damage that the system has done. So I will try to hold these guys accountable because it's like, uh, the justice system should be holding people accountable for what they've done. So I'm just glad, like, Mary recognized what I've been through and um, she helped me correct this. But yeah, it's been a struggle. I've been trying to just, like I said, taking it one day at a time, applying for jobs, just trying to get uh, stability and, um, you know, get my life back straight in order. Like, yeah. 
We're going to put a link up on the WCCO website. Uh, Producer Josh says he'll get that up here in a little bit for the GoFundMe so people can find it a little bit more easily. Uh, Is there a way that's easy for people to contact you that might have jobs in and around the Twin Cities area that would be willing to entertain talking to you and giving you that opportunity? Uh, Do you have an email address that we can mention as well? Absolutely. I thank you so much for even mentioning this, too, because I'm definitely trying to get a job and I'm a hard worker. So um, my email is Marvin87.Hangs at gmail.com. Marvin87.Hangs, H-A-Y-N-E-S at was at gmail.com. Gmail. All right. All right. That's out there. And uh, people that are listening, you can also reach me through social media if you can't find that email address, and I'll make sure to get that to you as well. How did you do it? How did you maintain this level of positivity in the face of adversity for 19 years of your life and to come out not being jaded and twisted by this entire situation? I um I always believed that this was going to happen. I never wavered on that. I was like, look, um, the justice system was built for justice. So I, I was like, okay, some people going to come along and they're going to recognize that I'm innocent. And, you know, in that place, it's hard to it's, – it's very hard because you're around so much negativity um, from, from everything that you're going through in there. You, you're treated real terrible. So I was treated like a murderer. You know what I mean? So – it was very difficult going through that, but I always had faith and I always had to drive the ambition. I always knew like I'm actually innocent and the truth going to reveal like whether I die fighting for this, I'm going to die fighting for this. And they're going to say Marvin Haynes fought until he, he died. And now I, I'm just glad I got my innocence and people can recognize like, man, he really said he was innocent and yeah, he's innocent, you know? So <laughs> he was I, right. all I, yeah, I just, all I, that's all I ever thought of. So like, me going through that stuff, I knew this day was going to come, and I, that's what kept me positive and kept me strong through that. It was difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. I was in there since I was 16 years old. Right. You know what I mean? I was thrown in there with some of the most craziest people you can think of, but I had to survive, and I just had to go through it and be strong. So, yeah, I just kept my faith. That's amazing and, and beautiful. I'm glad that you did and that you're out and you get a chance, this this new chance at life. Um, I'm curious for our listeners, if there's an attorney out there, somebody in the legal system listening that can, can answer this question. I don't want to put my guest on the spot. You know, obviously he's not got the legalese to do this, but now that he's been released, what, what laws are there in place to go after people that prosecuted knowing that they had faulty evidence, knowing that they had the wrong person and, went for a conviction on a case they should not have. Whose feet are held to the fire in those instances? And, or are they? Is there just, are they exonerated from all of this because it's just their job? Because to me, that, that's wrong. Their job should be justice. Their job should be getting a case right. And as a prosecutor, if your case falls apart around you because you're proven that this guy is innocent, to continue pressing forward seems disingenuous and against everything our court systems were set up for. So I wish you all the luck in the world, Marvin, on your journey. And if people have an answer, 651-461-9226, that's the WCCO talk and text line. I need to know 
what's going on and who's going to be held accountable for this. Uh, if I can't get an answer today, I might be pushing for it on a, on a future episode to see if we can get some follow-up. Uh, Marvin, we wish you a very happy New Year, sir. And I'm please just keep your head up. Keep that amazing positive attitude. Justice prevailed. You're free. Please make the best of this existence going forward. And I know that you've got the, the thoughts and prayers of people all around our great state that are backing you. Man, thank you for having me and just even asking that terrific question because them questions that I want answered as well. So thank you for having me on your show, and I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, stay tuned. We will be back. We've got more to discuss, and Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup will join us here in a little bit as well. Right here on Drive Time with the Russia, I'm Dave Schrader. This is News Talk 830. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. WCCO. Back, this is Dave Schrader in for Jason DeRussia. That story has me steaming. I, uh, talking to Marvin Haynes just a few moments ago, a young man who at uh, prime of life, 16 years old, is incorrectly uh, fingered for a crime he did not commit and a crime that held a very heavy penalty. He was put away and uh, just served 20 years of his life before this conviction was set aside and he was released. Um 19, almost 20 years in prison. Imagine that. Your first school dance, your buddies, uh, the opportunity to play sports, to have that first job, to drive a car, to have your driver's license. All of the things that we take for granted were taken from this man. There is a GoFundMe. We'll have a link up for that on the WCCO website. Uh, It is so infuriating. And case after case across the United States, where you watch these true crime documentaries, which I know they are slanted usually in one way or another. But when you have a preponderance of evidence pointing to the fact this person is not guilty and they just keep pushing instead of stopping, instead of wasting taxpayer money, trying to convict somebody who is obviously not the perpetrator, instead of spending that time and effort in locating the perpetrator, that destroys me. I'm a father. I have children. I can't even imagine. And I know many of you listening right now are thinking, but this isn't something I'll ever have to worry about. God, I hope you're right. I hope that your child is never in the wrong place at the wrong time and gets gets pointed out as, as a killer and had nothing to do with it. And they go off of circumstantial evidence, not even a murder weapon, no visual proof other than a few people who might have seen your child do a crime. And we need to start to hold people accountable. We need to start holding prosecution accountable. We need to start holding the law accountable. And if people in the law are moving and manipulating things in order to get a win instead of justice, shame on you. Your hand should be slapped and you should serve the rest of the time in prison that uh, that, that person had to go in for. All right, I'm going to take a deep breath. We'll take a, a quick break here. We'll come back. Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup. My favorite bands when we return right here on Newstalk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to the program. This is Drive Time with DeRussia. I'm Dave Schrader sitting in for Jason. He'll be back with you next week. I'll be in Monday, noon to 3, filling in for Chad. 
And uh, today, joining me right now on the air, we have lead singer of Bowling for Soup, Jarek Reddick. And uh, yesterday, Jarek, I was on the show talking with comedian Adrian Washington. We were talking about the landscape of music and comedy and how drastically it's changed. Record sales are not what they used to be, forcing bands to be out on the road longer. And I'm, I'm just curious, what is the reality when it comes to uh, music now? Uh, albums used to be the way to make all the cash. Is it just road, road dogging it? I mean, to be quite honest, <clears throat> also, hi. Hi. Um, but uh, <clears throat> to be honest, I mean, I, I don't – who were the bands that were making all this money selling records, you know? I mean, there, there's you, – you certainly, you know, can make some revenue when you're first starting up and you're selling them out of the back of the van. But you sign to a label, you, you're not making any money on record sales. I, I, did, I never made a cent off, off of selling music until we got into the streaming world. So, you know, I, it's, it's funny to me when I hear, you know, yes, things have changed, but, um, and remarkably so, but, you know, when, when you're, when you sign with a label, you know, you're getting tenths of a cent on each sale of each album, just like you are streaming wise. I mean, obviously it's not, you know, the exact, you know, mirror amount, but, you know, um, you know, it's it's just an ever changing landscape, and um, oh, I've been you know, surprised really... hearing from I, you know I love audiobooks, I love rock and roll, so I'm always listening to different rockers tell their stories. One that blew me away was listening to Roger Daltrey, the lead singer of the Who, and uh, during yeah. one part, and I think I've got this right, he said he didn't start making money from the Who until the 2000s. That, that's right. the reality right. of being a rock star, and even on the road when he did the Tommy. Uh, tour, which was one of their biggest tours ever. He was eating uh, lettuce and, and uh, white bread sandwiches, hoping that he was saving his money only at the end of the tour to find out that uh, uh, Keith Moon had blown all their cash on crashing cars into swimming pools and eating and drinking like there was no tomorrow. And uh, a lot of these celebrities we thought were really wealthy from their massive album successes uh, weren't. Yeah. It's a different different kind of vibe. Well, you know, I mean, I think that it's, you know, it's funny because I think whenever you get artists talking about the business side of music, especially, you know, I feel like it can sound very complainy and very sort of whiny. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, so I think it's important to for, for me to just say just for the sake of conversation that really we're just we're just sort of like opening opening the door and just showing inside what's going on. And, and I think the, the right. main thing that you have to understand is every artist has a manager and that manager is making 20% off gross, everything. And every manager has an agent and that agent is making 20% off the gross of shows, you know, all shows. Every, every, you know, artist has a, um, has a, has a lawyer and you have crew and you, and, you know, then, you get into travel expenses. And, and so what's really hurting people right now, touring-wise, is and, – and as as ticket prices go up and the concert goer is, is feeling that, you know, bus costs are up, gas, petroleum costs are up, hotel prices are up, food costs are up, you know. And, uh, I mean, buses right, right now are, are two and a half times the cost that they were before COVID. Wow. Um, and they were already expensive. And you say, well, why don't you just jump in the van and tour that way? Well, even that, you got to think. I mean, there's 10 of us. 
uh, we can't all fit in one van, and we don't get <laughs> hotels when we're on the bus. So right. you're really not saving any money there either, you know. So, um, you know, it's but yeah, I, I do believe that. I believe that what what um, Daltrey was saying about that because also, you know, again from record sales standpoint, when you're on a label, you got to get into the sales of like a million, a million plus, you know, before you're ever going to see any money coming back from that. Um, you and know, people, creative accounting. People, I think they it. they look at uh, success stories like the Beatles. Um, and even with uh, Elvis. But Elvis wasn't just a singer. The guy had his hand in a bunch of different businesses. Uh, he had a, an agent, you know, Tom Parker, Colonel Parker, who, although was uh, appeared to be scamming him out of a lot of money, was bringing a lot of money to Elvis's uh, world. So he had he was acting and, and writing and singing and touring and was constantly on the go. It wasn't like he was just living off of his good looks, there was a lot of hard work that goes behind the success that people don't see. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, you're very right. And, you know, that's just it. You know, for me personally, um, you know, when I, when I really decided that I was going to give this a go, I'm really lucky in that I was self-managed for, for a very long time. But then when I signed with my manager in 2007, you know, he, he really made it, he really painted a picture for me that, that made it to where it made sense for me and how I was going to do this. And that is, you know, he was like, it's very, very difficult to say, make, you know, $150,000 a year, just being a musician. It's very, very difficult. But, you know, what if you did 10 things that made you 12 or $15,000, you know, and that's really the way that I operate is reason why I got my, started putting my, my foot in so many things you know, I got into directing and managing and songwriting and then then later into voice acting and and uh, and, you know, uh, and and producing. And so, you know, that was always my, the thing about my hustle was that, you know, if I, I want to be able to provide for my family, it's just not easy to do as a touring musician. It's just not. No, and that's part of the reason I wanted to talk with you is I listen to the frustrations of, you know, people around the great state of Minnesota and all around the world as they talk about the rising costs of concerts and concert going, which, you know, I used to love to do. I'm looking at my ticket from uh, Born in the USA tour, and I think I spent 14 bucks, 15 bucks to see Bruce Springsteen perform in 1985 at what would have been the peak of his uh, popularity and, and height of that. And even Purple Rain Tour, it was, I think, $17.50 for a ticket to see Prince. And now we're talking hundreds of dollars, sometimes multiple hundreds of dollars. But people forget all of the things you just brought up, all the people you have to pay to keep the machine going and the places you yeah. have to rent and the sound and the lights and the, the setup and tear down and all that goes into it. It's not just fat cats sitting on bankrolls of money. There's a lot that goes yeah. into this, and we're living in a new world where you can't stop at, you know, McDonald's and get a meal for two ninety nine anymore. You're going to walk out twelve fifty for a meal. That means yeah. road travel, even eating junk food just so that you can get by. That's you might as well just go for a steak at that point. I mean, it's it's not that much yeah. difference. You're not wrong. I mean, it, it, we actually, you know, it's funny because there are things like Uber Eats and DoorDash have really change the way that we eat anyway. I mean, we're able to get, um, you know, a healthy meal or at least some sort of a deli meal where you can get a salad or a sandwich or whatever, you know, and you're not eating just whatever is across the street all the time. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that you're, you're exactly right. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you sort of, uh, you know, you make your profit on the last few shows of every tour and, you know, there's, there's, there's artists that can stay out there for three and four or five months at a time. And, and that's really where the money is, is, is keeping the machine going, but we're dads, you know? Um, so we go out for two weeks and we come home for three or four weeks and then we go out for two weeks. And so that's a more expensive way to tour. You know, you're, you've got to get the bus to you, you've got to get there. And, um, you know, but again, I, it, it sort of sounds complainy. I, I think, you know, I think the thing with the ticket prices is it's just, you know, that th- that's got to be fixed. You know, it's much like anything else, you know, as, as we start to argue about streaming, you know, it's almost like what the, what the writers just went through, you know, with the screen actors right. and stuff like that, you know, all of this stuff eventually has got to be negotiated and, and made to be fair for everybody. And, and, you know, I, I really understand that, you know, the, for example, the, that, you know, SAG or, I mean, not SAG, but, you know, for a record label is going to get the bigger piece of the pie, but artists got to be able to eat, you know, um, but tick, the ticket thing, that's just going to have to be fixed because it's, it's, you know, the Blink-182 thing just happened and, you know, tickets were supposed to be 40 bucks. And then, you know, Mark Hoppus from the band couldn't even get on and find a ticket for less than a thousand dollars. Something's wrong with the system, right. you know, and, uh, and that money's so not making it its way back to the band. It's not making its way to the band, and that's just it, right? The band gets all of the grief, you know, and and all of the bounce back from it. And we thought you were punk rock, and blah blah blah, and you know, I, and I I think it's going to take a Taylor Swift, and and I'm being serious. Uh, I think she's going to be able to fix a lot of things because she's in things for the artists themselves, and she's already done so much for artists with streaming and things like that. It's going to take someone like her to be like, hey, we're just not going to play this ticket game. You know, I mean, it, there's ways to do it where the fans can actually get $40 tickets. And, you know, and, and it's not going to hurt her one bit for everybody to be able to pay, pay face value because at the end of the day, that's what's going into her, her end of the tour numbers. It's not $1,000 a ticket. You know, it's right. whatever they are, whether it's $99. That's just it too, right? I mean – Maybe a, maybe face value of a ticket to a Taylor Swift show is ninety nine dollars, but you're seeing a freaking show. You know, it's it's she's bringing a Las Vegas show into a into a freaking stadium. You know, it's not it's not you know this is not a club we're talking about. Right, you're not uh, standing on the corner with one guitar and a bucket. You're you're bringing on a, a big stage show with dancing and music and video and lights and fog and yeah. all type of effect. Uh, we're almost out of time together. Let people know you've got the Rockstar Dad podcast. Uh, where can people yeah. listen to you? How do they listen, and how often are you putting out episodes? Guys, uh, Rockstar Dad show, which, by the way, Dave has been on a few times, and we've got we've got more to do with him. Uh, we always <laughs> like to have you around Halloween, of course, because you're spooky. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, so Rockstar Dad show um, is uh, is the name of that. You can subscribe anywhere. Uh, that you listen to podcasts. You can find me anywhere at J-A-R-E-T-2113 uh, or on TikTok at Jarrett Reddick. And, of course, my website is just JarrettRayReddick.com, and literally everything I do is right there. Fantastic. And, folks, if you want to follow an entertainer who is gracious to his fans and is entertaining in so many ways, follow the TikTok, follow his his social media, because I – Follow it. I love what I see. I love the way that you work with the audience. You you listen to cover versions of the songs that you've made famous and uh, have just made yourself so 
accessible. That's fantastic. I hope that your success with the band and your solo ventures continue to grow. We've got to wrap it up here for this hour. We will be back. We've got more to discuss. And I'll leave you with these questions. If you could, would you freeze yourself to extend your life? And what advice would you give your younger self if you had that ability? We'll talk about that and more when we return to Drive Time with the Russia. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is News Talk 830 WCCO. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 